Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thanks for listening to the primetime with Isaac and Souk. I'm Isaac, the cool one. What? <laughs> this is our podcast. Yeah. Welcome to our podcast. I don't know. It's yeah. brought to you by Les Schwab, though. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the right thing since 1952. You know, the beauty of baseball is you can sit next to your neighbor and have a conversation, or you can just completely ignore them. Baseball spoken here. It's time for the second game of our radio doubleheader. That is a reviewable play, but the Yankees choose not to review it. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away back off the pole. Francisco Lindor. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. A deep dive on baseball and the hottest topics in sports. It's 2-2 two to two in the bottom of the sixth, and I just can't get my eyes off that man with the tall head. It's quite a game, but man, that guy is ugly. You know that guy hasn't blinked this entire game? Just a dead-eyed idiot out on a Thursday afternoon. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. We're going to be awesome for you right now. On 1080. Hey, one for one, that's about a thousand, dude. That's baseball, baby. Help us, please. Somebody help us. The Fan. Yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances, but nothing on them with some counterfeits. Are they like regular chess players or are they boxing size people, chess and boxing? I think they're regular boxers who are also just good at chess. They're bo- okay. Because, they, yeah, their body stature, they, they look like boxers when they're in the ring doing their thing. But the round ends and then the next round starts and boom, they hit the chessboard. Hour two of two here on the hot corner. <laughs> Joe was telling me about ESPN 8 the Ocho in the break. I, I didn't watch a lot of it today. I saw a little bit of the using only your head volleyball ping pong thing which oh yeah was that, really weird that's called hennis hennis uh, h-e-a-d-i-s head tennis hennis <laughs> god and then you were telling me about chess boxing i was very confused about the idea of boxing and chess being shared in alternating rounds yeah because i i think of chess guy perhaps or definitely stereotypically as like really skinny or like unathletic. 85 years old in the park retired right, right either or really skinny and unathletic or really old so i'm trying to picture those guys or gals boxing and now i wish i would have seen some 85 <laughs> year old guys doing it out in the ring instead it was just boxing physique guys who were also good at chess maybe yeah it was bizarre they would i i don't know if it was first round was boxing or first round was chess but they would oh his first round was chess so you know they make their moves do their thing and then it, the round ends and get up and just box normal you got get your gloves on and you go for your five minute ten minute round what I think ten minute round is what it was and then round two ends you go back to the chessboard you play chess you pick up where you left off once that round ends you get back to boxing so by the time you get to like nine ten rounds um, you're boxing and then you get to that chessboard and you are exhausted. You know, like you're punched, you're bleeding, you're you're delirious. And so you're trying to make moves on these chessboard. I mean, it's the ultimate test of mind and strength, I think. 
Is that what they said on ESPN 8? <laughs> this is the ultimate strength uh, test of your mind and your body. That's what I thought of right initially. I was like, hey, man, this is the way to test everything. I think they told you that on TV and you just took it. <laughs> no. Subconsciously, you soaked it in. No, I had and now not, you are blurting it out. I had to put it on mute after the Rochambeau commentary. <laughs> oh, that was a great throw there. You see how put that scissors in last second, really caught him off guard. Yeah, the rock, paper, scissors commentary was ridiculous, and it looked like they literally just pulled people off the street for the rock, paper, scissors. One guy had, like, a messenger bag as if he was, like, going to work, and they asked him, hey, can you compete in this rock, paper, scissors tournament real quick? Like, it was um, it was good TV, though. I was I, – me and Joe, my son at one point, were both just, like, glued to the TV watching the rock, paper, scissors. Look, and then I realized, say, what was I doing with my life? I'll say this. I once went out for, uh, for drinks with Patrick, and on TV was uh, Cornhole. Or bags, whatever you'd like to call it. Bag toss. or I and like it, cornhole, personally. Well, I mean, I call it cornhole, but a lot of people in the Midwest call it bags. Yeah, I like cornhole. And it, I could not take my eyes off of it. It was fascinating. And the, the bartender turned it on, and I went, really? You're going to put on cornhole? Get out. <laughs> no, no, he went, Tr- just trust me. Just trust me. And I was like, at least on the other TV, could you put the soccer game on, please? <laughs> and he did. And then I actually wound up not watching the soccer game and watching cornhole. I was glued to the cornhole. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, the cornhole has I think that was the, on ESPN 8 today as well. It has the ability to pull you in like that. It's a fun game yeah. to play as well. Um, coming up this hour, we've got fourth at 830, and we'll talk some Portland Diamond Project next segment. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time praising the Boston Red Sox, our, no, our new leaders of – all that is good and holy in baseball. Um, and there is definitely a reason why I'm going to be overtly positive about them this segment. Um, you know, just don't worry about it, but there's definitely a reason. But Boston doesn't lose. It feels like every day, even if there's a game that they're close in, they don't lose. Now, that's obviously wrong. They've lost three games since the All-Star break, uh, or sorry, four games, including losses to the Tigers, O's, and uh, Twins. So they're not infallible, but... Last night, for example, they were down, I want to say, oh, it was like five to, it was like five to three or three to one or something like that. And JD Martinez hit a huge multiple run hit in the eighth inning and it gave him the lead. And then they were able to win it in extra innings last night after the uh, Blue Jays came back to tie it, I think it was. Yeah, yesterday's game was crazy. Um, yeah, Red, the Red Sox scored four runs in the eighth inning. Blue Jays tied it in the ninth, and the Red Sox scored five runs in the tenth inning to win an extra innings. Like, the amount of games I've seen where they have been down, but you know, just know that they're going to score four runs in the next inning because they're down. Um, it happened against the Yankees a couple times as well. They were losing 4 nothing in game one of that series and came back to win 15-7. to They've got that special feel going on right now where no matter what, they're in the game. No matter what, uh, their their bats especially give them a chance to win the game. J.D. Martinez, Juan Dulio, as we like to call him, um, has been ungodly good. And I will continue to rub that into Patrick's face, who said that he was not good and was not going to be a good signing for the Red Sox. Um, wrong. J.D. Martinez has been absolutely unbelievable. He is a hitting machine. Uh, he's always getting big hits for them as well. He's super clutch. He's never, he's always up in that big situation, which happens whenever you see the clutch guys. It happened with David Ortiz with them all the time too. Whenever you have that clutch guy, they always seem to be up in the big spot and they make it happen more often than not. They've got 
one of the best pitchers in baseball in Chris Sale. They've got David Price, who seems to be figuring it out a little bit again and turning out to be a little bit of a, a better pitcher again for the most part. Um, got a great closer in Craig Kimbrell. They are unbelievable right now. And looking ahead, there are some weaknesses, of course. Their starting rotation is a little bit iffy after the first two, and even those first two are not great in the playoffs normally in Salem Price. Their bullpen is, is suspect. But if they hit like they've been hitting, I can't see anybody stopping them. I can't. When you've got Betts, Benintendi, and Martinez, and Bogarts, and even Mitch Moreland's hitting around 300, those guys all in the same lineup, I don't think Man. you even said Marti- Martinez. I know you mentioned him already. No, I did. I said him. Uh, before that. But, I mean, yeah, you just listed some names off right there. But Martinez wasn't one of them. Oh, it wasn't? No, no. But that's that's the thing is, like, they have so many names that you can mention one 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 second and then completely forget about them the next. Like, Sandy Leone even gives them some solid contributions from time to time. Um, yeah, I I really hate that the Red Sox are this good. Because it, um, it happens a lot in sports. It happened with me and the Spurs when they just blew the heat out of the water, that 4-1 series in the NBA Finals. Just when they're just really, really good and you just can't do anything about it, just got to respect it, that's almost more frustrating. And that's what's happening this year with the Red Sox. Because they've had their collapses and they've had their years where they were the wild card and then won the World Series. Um, but this year they're just really stinking good and unstoppable, it seems like. And obviously, with my Orioles being just atrocious, it makes things just ten times worse. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to leave my bias out of this because it's really hard as a Yankee fan to watch them win all this all well, the time. It's been a a rough just year for me, Mike. All right, we're going from somewhat competitive to literally just the worst team yeah. ever. Well, I know, but my I'm, God. I'm just saying for this segment, I'm trying to keep the bias out of it because. I want to give some love to a team that we don't talk about as much because we just know they're good, but we kind of also know that they have some issues in the playoffs recently. Um, but I want to give them some love because they have been, I mean, I said this in the beginning of the show, they're 80 and 34. They're about to be 81 and 34. They'll get their love, Mike, when they win the World Series, all right? <laughs> and you're going to stop talking about them now because you're going to be forced to talk about them well, in the look, upcoming months. <laughs> look, look, if they win the World Series, fine. They're good enough to do it. Yeah. They're playing the best. They're playing the best baseball in baseball, minus the A's right now, which is still weird for me to say. Um, but it's you, oh, I've said this before on the show in previous years. Every year, there's that one or two teams that has that like, uh oh, they're gonna win this thing vibe. And it to me, it's the Red Sox this year because of just how they hit and how they're always on base. I mean, I follow a couple of Red Sox fans on Twitter who I went to college with, and it's it's amazing how many times during games they're saying, like, another huge hit from J.D. Martinez. Look at Mookie Betts, MVP. You know, it's and it's and I look at the box score because I haven't been watching the game, and they were losing 3 nothing, and now all of a sudden it's 5-3 after one inning, and it's all, it's all over. You I mean, know, you can say that they have uh, three MVP candidates. I mean, make, saying Chris Sale is an MVP is maybe a stretch, but on it, on another team, you could definitely make the argument. But Betts, Betts and Martinez, yeah. and Martinez, like teams would have to die would die just to have one of them. It's just you know, it, I want to get I want to give him a little respect as we uh, move on forward well, here. You know what, Mike? As a Yankees fan. That's very nice of you. You're taking it stride. You're taking it a lot better than I am, and I am an Orioles fan, a lowly bottom feeder Orioles fan. 
yeah. I'm not taking anything very well this year. I just got off the most disappointing series that I can remember. Yeah. With the four-game sweep to the Red Sox, which included blowing a four-run lead and losing by eight, included getting one hit by Rick Porcello, and included getting shut out by Nathan Eovaldi, and then it included having Chapman blow a three-run lead in the ninth and then losing an extra innings. Was that the fourth game? Yes. So that was just kind of like the cherry on top, basically. Yeah. You were winning 4-1 going into the ninth. Chapman comes in, blows it. So you felt obligated somewhat to do this segment this no, week. No, I didn't I'm feel obligated. All- <laughs> I just know that we haven't talked a lot about the Red Sox. I know Patrick likes to poo-poo on Juan Julio and Chris Sale and all that. But it it was time to give them a lot of the respect that they deserve. And I do think right now that they are clear-cut American League favorites for the World Series. I know the Astros have the starting rotation of God, but um, I, the Red Sox offense scares the living daylights out of me. And it can hit anybody right now, including Verlander and Cole and all of them. Yeah. So. If I take my Orioles bias out of it, then, yeah, it's uh, hard to disagree with you. I'm going to say I'm sticking with uh, Patrick's Indians because I can't root for the Red Sox, can't root for the Yankees. Now I can't root for the Astros after everything that's gone down. But you're right. The Red Sox right now, they look like the clear-cut favorite to be in the World Series for the uh, American yes. League. The Roberto Azuna signing, I assume, is what you're talking about. Yes, yeah. So they're... Uh, yeah. Not even the Astros are happy about that. <laughs> exactly. The Astros players, I mean. Yeah, so right now, go Indians. But at this point, the Red Sox, like you said, they're clear-cut. Yeah, Indians are going to make it by default, but they've been by far the weakest of all the American League top teams. Right. So we'll see. But they've got great pitchers, so we'll see how that goes in the playoffs. All right, coming up next, Mike Barrett took over the Portland Diamond Project Twitter. Let's read some of the tweets he had and see what we can expect moving forward. This is the Hot Corner on 1080 The Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. So Mike Barrett took over the Portland Diamond Project Twitter earlier today, answering fan questions. And just wanted to kind of spend a brief segment here talking about this because, you know, Mike Barrett is Mike Barrett. And right now he has been very, very, very cryptic with a lot of his answers. He has to be very careful with what he says. Um, You know, there's been a lot of secrecy about the ownership group or the guys who are putting the money behind it. I should say the big money guys, which are apparently from the Bay area. Um, He has, he's been very good at walking on eggshells and not giving away really anything in his answers. He's been a pro about that. So a lot of what he did in in answering this tweet, it was more of a fan service than an information finding mission for those of us who, uh, who are looking for information. But um, there's a couple of things in here that I thought were pretty interesting. And the first is one that Joe mentioned to me in the break. And I agree with in about three or four of his responses when asked about his biggest worry and about also one of the biggest positives, he said timing. Timing was a very big key for him. I think that's interesting because he's right. The timing of this is not predicated on Portland. It's predicated on Major League Baseball. It's Major League Baseball either deciding that Oakland or Tampa or whoever needs to move or deciding it's time to expand and we're going to give cities a team. Um, Now, Barrett's biggest concern, he said, was timing because what if, say, Oakland Stadium situation doesn't get resolved and they're done. They're done trying. And that happens like next year. What happens if Portland's not even close to being ready to accept a team and the timing is wrong and Oakland moves somewhere else? 
right? So that's the worry. I understand why that's a worry. But the positive of the timing, in my opinion, is this. It's that Rob Manfred has said that MLB wants expansion, two expansion teams. And they desperately do not want to move the A's, the Rays, or whoever else. I know the Diamondbacks were, were bandied about for a little bit. They don't want to move those two teams or those two or three teams at all. They hate baseball hates teams relocating. They hate it. It's only happened once in recent memory, and that was the Expos to the Nationals. But they want to expand. And Barrett said this in one of his responses. He goes, Rob Manfred said they're going to expand to 32 teams. So if that's the case, then the window of timing is perfect because right now Portland is one of two cities that has publicly said they want a team. The other is Montreal. The rest have all been rumored. Charlotte um, was one of them. Mexico City is one of them. Uh, there's a couple other I'm, others I'm missing. But the only two that have been public have been Portland and Montreal. And Portland is so far ahead of it and only all the other teams with this process and they're buying land and they're about to buy land and all that kind of stuff that the timing of that with an expansion team, which would likely be at what, 2022 or something like that seems perfect. seems like the perfect fit. And Manfred has mentioned Portland every single time that this question has been brought up. And my favorite was when he was in Seattle and someone asked him, would Portland be a viable destination? He goes, one of the expansion teams is going West. And if you look at the cities that already have teams, find the one that doesn't. Sacramento. <laughs> Salt Lake City. Let's go. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, Portland was kind of the obvious choice there. So it's good that timing is the big talking point. But I, unless it's the relocation or nothing, I think timing is great for an expansion team to come to Portland. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Um, that one tweet that you said where you mentioned that Rob Manfred said he will expand – to 32 teams, that right there tells you, okay, perfect. There's two opportunities. And that's the other thing. It's not just one team. It's two teams will be added. So there's two there. And then he got the two in flux, as you mentioned, Oakland, Tampa Bay. So you got really four opportunities here to try and steal someone. Now, Oakland's probably the more logical team you could steal because they don't want to transfer everything from one corner of the United States to the other. I think they want to try and keep it more aligned on the West Coast. Um so three opportunities at most, and that seems like the most opportunities you've ever had before. I remember when they tried to, back when the Expos went to the Washington, that was the opportunity, the one. So the fact that you have, you know, this uh, commissioner, as whoever just built a bomb for yes, the Dodgers. Yasmani Grundahl. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, he hits on timing a few times, and uh, I think that is – important because it's clear it's like dude we have a lot of opportunities here we can't miss this window and hopefully everything falls into place as uh, far as city wise goes well that's that was going to be actually where i was going to go next a nice uh, unintentional transition but a question was asked about had the group been working with the city about ease of attending games and inc improving roads around the stadium and stuff like that and he said the city has been tremendous to work with so far we're excited about the ongoing relationship that's the positive here is that my biggest worry with all of this was that the city of Portland was going to screw this up somehow. They were going to say no, or they were going to make it really difficult for this to work. Or, um, I mean, I guess that still could happen because if any public funding is needed, we know how Portland reacts to that, especially in relation to sports. So that might still be an issue, but generally they've been saying it's all private. It's all private. You don't need to worry about that. The city has been great. Uh, Ted Wheeler, the mayor has come out and said it's been really positive. 
I think his name is Nick Fish. He's the city commissioner or something. He's come out and said that things are going well and he thinks it's real and he thinks that they've got really good momentum and they're really organized. And to me, that's all I want to hear. I want the city of Portland to be behind this because I want them to help make this an enjoyable experience. A lot of the locations of the potential stadium sites are pretty iffy in terms of getting there. I'm thinking specifically about the one down by us at the South waterfront here, the Zadell or Zidell yards down by the, the shipbuilding area right on the South waterfront that if there is a baseball stadium there, they would need to massively change how the road system works down there, especially because yeah. of the construction. As far as I know with that area too, the family that owns that property, they're uh, getting a little bit in over their heads as far as costs go. So I don't know if that's going to be much of a viable option. I just, going it forward. is if, I mean, it's you're right. an option. Yeah, you're right. If it is there, they're going to have to do a lot of work and they want to, they're, they've been revitalizing that area for a while now. Um, so the family, the Zadell family, they want to put the money into it, but they're starting to get some costs that I think are a little bit too much. So that might put the brakes on that well, plot of land there. To be fair, that is the best location in terms of a waterfront view stadium. Most definitely. Because you you might not be able to because of the hill or the bridge. You might even be able to get Mount Hood in the distance from right. that angle. I know the, the home plate can't face west. That's all it can't do. Um, maybe not east either, but I'm pretty sure it can't face west. So anything that's facing somewhat north-ish along the Willamette is going to be perfect. And so you might be able to see Mount Hood. That might be a pipe dream, but you would definitely see the entirety of the downtown skyline from the back of that stadium. If they had it all open in the back, you would definitely see it. Um, but that that location outside of that positive, I think, has a lot of other negatives that are tied to it with the transportation and stuff like that. It'd be great for us. Get off the air at 7, walk right down the street, and go right to a game. That'd be awesome. But um, I think T2, the Terminal 2 location, is still my favorite of all the ones because, again, it's on the right side of the river. Well, the left side, but the correct side of the river where you can face Whoa, it towards Mike. the city. Be careful saying that. You might get some people angry. <laughs> True. Not what I meant. Correct side as in yeah, you can't face the field west. So if it's on the east side of the river, the only way to get a city view is to face home plate west which you can't do not allowed because the sun will be setting into the batter's eyes right uh, on the west side of the river. You can face the stadium south and see the or north and see the city. So to me, that's preferred. You get a water view because you're right on the Willamette and you get a city view with some bridges and all that kind of stuff. I think that would be option number two for me is the T2 site down there. Also not the best in terms of like available roadways, but there's a lot of space to work with down there. Whereas by us, here in the South Waterfront, it's really small bit of land between essentially NATO and the South Waterfront. It's a really narrow spot to build roads. Up there, it's tons of factories and train train yards and all that kind of stuff. You could really kind of make that accessible. And 30 is also, it's, it's pretty easy to get on and off of 30. You just get on the 405 and you, you spit off there. It's pretty easy. So I think that would be the best location in that sense. I'm kind of souring on the PPS site, the Portland Public School site. Because you can't face the city with the field, and it's going to be super trafficy over there by the Moda Center. I mean, it's going to be trafficy anywhere, but I think it would be doubly so there. I'm kind of souring on that site. Anytime the team makes the playoffs, though, and if the Placer season starts, that, that would be hell. That would be insane. <laughs> that first October home playoff game for baseball and the Blazers season is like opening or something. Oh, God. It would be a gong show. Um but yeah, so that's kind of what I took away from Barrett's uh, Twitter session on the PDX Diamond Project Twitter. 
He talked about that they were getting close to acquiring land, and we knew that. That's supposed to be a couple weeks away from being announced if his timeline of four to six, four to six weeks was correct. Also, this question was asked, if the ballpark is on waterfront, would a marina be included? He goes, a marina on the water would be fantastic. It has been discussed. So that'd be kind of cool. Kind of get a little bit of a AT&T Park, San Francisco Giants vibe of having the boats right behind as, as home runs go into the river or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. <sighs> get me in a time machine, man. Flash forward to three years. I'm good. I'll wait. I'm patient. I'm I not. I don't need to flash later. forward three years. Three, four years, you know. Just, um, just get me there. But... I'm very excited. It feels very real. We've talked about this multiple times. It it feels real. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you weren't here when they tried to do the first bid. They, I remember there was like a little commercial on TV of a guy throwing peanuts in Pioneer Square, you know, like it was a baseball game. Yeah. The shot was him, you know, and he's throwing peanuts, and then it zooms out, and it's just him in Pioneer Square, regular people. And it was like, oh, that's cute. That's okay. Portland wants an MLB team. Yeah, well, we have the Beavers, and they're not okay. That's whatever, so... This is much more different vibe than that. That was just kind of a little gimmicky, like, hey, let's let's try. Now this is like guns ablazing. We are full on at it. And uh, like I said, it's like the opportunity is now. There's lots of tweets. It's perfect timing, perfect opportunity. Well, let's get going. Let's get to going, as Rob would say. All right, coming up next, let's do fourth. But first, Joe, as Sportsman. <laughs> This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. All right, that music means it is time for fourth fair foul. All right. Joe gives us questions and or trivia uh, that we have to answer and say fair or foul too, so... Well, it's just me today, but Joe, you can give your fair or foul answer for the opinion ones if you'd like as well. Yeah, I will. I shall. Um, our first one, we're going to start over in the National League. We've spent enough time on the AL today, uh, talking Red Sox, talking. That's a lot Mar- of AL talk today, you're right. Yeah, talking Red Sox, talking Mariners. Um, and I feel like you could say that three to four teams have a chance to make the World Series in the American League. We mentioned earlier the Red Sox probably our favorites at the moment, but I mean Red Sox, Yankees, Astros, Indians, um the way that the A's are playing, maybe they could be that fifth team, but I feel like the National League, it's a smaller select group of teams that could make the World Series, possibly just two. So fair or foul, Mike, besides the Dodgers and Cubs, there are no threats in the National League to make the World Series. Fair you Fair. got teams like Philly, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Arizona, Colorado, all still in the mix. Don't forget Washington still hanging around there as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to say fair. And it's kind of a, I guess if I had to pick another team I would give the most chance to, it would be the Brewers because of how the offense has been playing for them. Similar to the Red Sox, their offense is awesome, but their pitching staff has uh, question marks across the board. And that to me is a worry. Frankly, I, I think it's going to be the Cubs again. I'm pretty sure I picked the Cubs to win the World Series this year, if I remember correctly. I think I picked Cubs-Astros, I think was my my World Series prediction. Um, they, they're dealing with injuries. Chris Bryant's in the DL right now. Their, pitch, their pitching staff has not been as good as it has been in years past, but you know how John Lester pitches in the playoffs, so I want him on my team for sure. And their bullpen is good, and they've got you Darvish coming off the DL, and they got better at the trade deadline, and... 
I I think it's the Cubs and Dodgers and everybody else. I really do. So I'll say fair on that one. I say fair as well. I feel like the Cubs have been the best team in the NL all season, whether their record hasn't shown it or not, whatever. I feel like they're just kind of sleeping giants, and Joe Madden knows how to manage a team through 162 and beyond. So I think it's just kind of the war of attrition with them and kind of a San Antonio Spurs approach. Play good when it matters the most. I got to say before you continue, uh, a in the – Yankees White Sox game an umpire had a moth get stuck in his ear oh. and he had to go to the trainer and the trainer dug it like went deep in his ear he like had to dig it out oh that is terrible I hate moths so much look dude. it look it up when I'm answering my next question ESPN just tweeted at their regular account watch him pull the moth out of his own ear in the dugout that's so gross watch it that is so foul do it all right on to our next one um I see what you did there by the way yeah, I'm moving to subjects because I don't want to talk about moths coming out of people's ears anymore. That's just frightening. All right, our next one, we're going to go back to those Boston Red Sox. And uh, more importantly, Juan Dulio, J.D. Martinez. He's good, really good. But is he so good, Mike, that fair or foul, J.D. Martinez leads the MLB in home runs and RBIs? Uh, question mark? Leads the MLB or the American League? The MLB. That's the entire league, Mike. <sighs> Home runs and RBIs. Yes, sir. I'm going to say fair. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to elaborate anymore on that. It's kind of a... I don't have... (laughs) Sometimes I have a guess of who might be second. I don't right now. I kind of lost track of the who's in first in the home run race after a while. I know JD is close, so I'm going to say fair. And you shouldn't keep track because it is fair. He is leading in home runs. He's got 34. Next closest is Jose Ramirez with 33. Mookie Betts has got to be close to that too, huh? Uh, Mookie Betts, uh, he's at 26, actually. Whoa, he's stopped hitting them. Yeah, okay. he's dropped off a bit. Uh, right now, the only guys over 30 are Joey Gallo, Matt Carpenter, Chris Davis, Jose Ramirez, and uh, J.D. Martinez. Matt Carpenter can't stop hitting home runs. No, he's he been cannot. He's hot for like two weeks. We will get to him, too. Okay. Um, and he's leading RBIs by 10 RBIs over Javi Baez right now. All right. So, so you're saying leading in home runs, leading in RBIs, all he needs is average, and he's hitting, what, like 320? He is hitting uh, 332, <laughs> which is just behind, <laughs> just behind his teammate, Mookie Betts, who is hitting 340. So triple crown? I think we could start that talk. What if, wow. Mo- Mo- what if Mookie just starts tanking it? I think he would. I think he would. <laughs> I w- yeah. If the triple crown was on the line, I think Mookie just starts hitting like bunt grounders to second base for the last three games <laughs> yeah. of the series season. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's what we start talking about once Patrick gets back in town, once all three of us get to each uh, back to each other, you know, triple ca- crown talk to end the season. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? Say, so, Miggy did it the last time, Miggy Cabrera. And then before that, I was looking it up. It was Carl Yastrzemski, 1967. And I felt like at the beginning of the season, I did a fair foul where I said Mookie Betts at this point will be in the kind of race for a triple crown. And how about that? How same, about that? Same team, different player. All right. And our last one real quick. As I said, we would get to Matt Carpenter because he has been in fuego. He homered again today. He's homered five times in his last six games, as a matter of fact. And Didn't then, he hit three home runs in a game like two weeks ago as well? Yeah, and it was like uh, five extra base hits, which I think tied. Yeah, five for five with three homers and two doubles. And I know, you know, we don't don't want to get over your skis on some of these hot months, but we kind of did with Giancarlo last year, and it led to an MVP. And obviously those Marlins weren't a playoff team, and he still won the MVP, so... Fair or foul, Matt Carpenter is your NL MVP. 
Whoa. Um, how is he hitting outside of the home run streak? So within the last 30 days, he's hitting 354, but on the season, 281. That might so get he's, him. he's hitting 281, 30 homers, only 62 RBIs. So it's been a lot of solo home runs for a Cardinals team that doesn't really have much of an offense. Hmm. That's a tough question. I'm trying to think of who else would be MVP in the National League right now. Lorenzo Cain's having a really good season war-wise, but his numbers are not, like, overly spectacular MVP numbers. Maybe this is the season that uh, um, one of this show's favorite player finally gets that uh, MVP award. Nolan? He's Maybe. hitting, what, three? He's at 304. 304 with, what, he's 26 home runs or something? 29 home runs, which is second in the NL. And then he's got 81 ribbies, which is good for fourth. Yeah, I might put that over Carpenter unless he keeps hitting like this for now. And that's the thing. Carpenter, he's not a home run hitter. So the fact that he has 30 is a little questioning. Uh, I'll say foul. More steroid sounds, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say foul on that one. Nolan Arenado, man. I would love to see him get that MVP finally. Who else, like, who else in the National League right now would be even an MVP contender? Uh, maybe Javi Baez, but honestly, I don't. I wouldn't say he's MVP because, I mean, that's, that's a lot of guys on that team that are good. I don't know, man. Nolan might do it this year. Christian Yelich is hitting 322 for the yeah. Brewers. Yeah, he's, he's not a power guy. I'm just yeah. saying he's hitting well. Scooter Jeanette, criminally underrated. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, you're right. It might be um, Nolan. Might be Nolan. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. I was watching, a, I think, an A's-Rockies game. Or early. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Hey, he got a win today. So Dude, that, he has a 177 ERA. So that helps the stats, I guess. But, um, no, I was watching, like, a Rockies-A's game, and I know you guys gush about Arenado, and I know that he's uh, really good, but the Rockies uh, commentators were saying that, that I'm comfortable saying one of the best third basemen of all time. Whoa. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's won the gold glove, what, five years Do in a row? Do you mean defensive third baseman or just third baseman? Top, they were saying possibly top five third baseman of all time. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. If you just, if you were in the room, you just saw me eyes wide looking around <laughs> bewildered like, what did I just hear? Let's slow down there, Rockies announcers, with your bias, please. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, I'm not sure. We'll wrap up the show here on the Hot Corner on 1080 The Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. Last segment to go here on the Hot Corner tonight. Remember, Patrick is out. Next week, I am going to be out. Patrick will be in with Joe and then we'll be back together the week after that as well. Um, just watching the A's Dodgers game right now on MLB network A's have a two, one lead in the top of the sixth inning. Kershaw was pitching against Mike fires. Dodgers were rallying there in the last inning and the uh, A's were able to get out of it. I, this is a great series Two California teams, both in playoff positions. I'm glad they're putting it on TV for everybody to watch as well. Cause I, I, I want to see more of the A's, especially because they've been playing so well on national TV. So they get some love as well. Did you know that Matt Chapman uh, is the by far best defensive player in baseball this year? By far. Yeah. His defensive war was like 0.8 above anybody else. Um, I was waiting for the statistical evidence. 
Hold on. I, I literally was just thinking of it. I looked it up last week, and uh, I wanted to go find it again. So let me go find it again. <laughs> so Matt Chapman. There we good. go. Defensive war. Matt Chapman, three. He is 0.6 higher than Angleton Simmons, who has a 2.4. And that actually makes Matt Chapman have the eighth highest war in baseball. But that's just the defensive war. N- no. His defensive war is three. Matt Chapman's war is 6.2, which is the eighth highest in baseball. Gotcha. Okay. Because his defense is so good. Gotcha. Man. It goes Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Max Scherzer, Mookie Betts, Aaron Nola, Francisco Lindor, Jacob deGrom, Matt Chapman, Chris Sale, and Trevor Bauer. That's Which how good defensively he is. one of things is not like the other. Look, if you've, I've seen a lot of him playing third base this year. He is unreal. He is a Venus flytrap. He gets everything. <laughs> he gets everything that has hit his way. If you if um, go look up a Matt Chapman defensive highlight package, he's he's a savant at third base. He's so good. Seriously, like the fact that he is point six higher than Andrelton Simmons, who's one of the greatest defenders or defensive players we've seen in our in our current generation at shortstop. Point six higher than him. Yeah, that's how I that's know. That's a lot in war, by the way. When he dropped uh, Angelton Simmons' name, I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. I believe you. Yeah. I wouldn't lie to you about this. <laughs> and there's a lot of guys who are not do not belong on the war page. Like Jacoby Jones is fourth in defensive war at 2.2. Nick Ahmed is fifth. Nick Ahmed. Colton Wong is seventh. Some guy named Miguel Rojas on the Marlins is eighth. The 1.7, but Matt Chapman, seriously, got some homework for you guys out there who are baseball fans. So wait, now I'm Look trying at Matt to, Chapman defensive. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember or think now. Does it matter if he's on top of that list now? Because he just like disregarded the next six guys on the list. Well, <laughs> so is it good that he's no, number one on there? No, or? stop. No, <laughs> stop. It's great that he's on there because it means he's a great defensive player. I'm assuming the guy I haven't heard of is a great defensive player. I just haven't heard of him. But what what makes it that much more impressive to me is that he's top 10 in all overall or overall war because of his defensive prowess. And I, I'm not kidding. I, I've watched a lot of the A's baseball this year, actually, which is surprising to me. I don't normally watch the A's that much, but I have watched them a lot. And Matt Chapman, I'll, it's like it's a, it's a treat watching him play third. God, what a way to end this show if – who is this at bat right now for the Dodgers? If he just blooped up to the third baseline and he just mishandled a ground ball or something, just I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of mishandling ground balls, Kyle Seager's made like five errors in the last two games. Has he really? Yeah, today God. he actually. I don't want to blame him for it, but it was a very easy double play ball. He thought there were two outs, so he just stepped on third and didn't throw the ball for the second out. That would have been the final out. Next guy had a throw and home run. That's a Robbie Cano year one play right there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and Kyle Seager had two errors yesterday. He booted one in the first inning today. So not Matt Chapman, <laughs> Kyle Seager for the Mariners. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's your homework for the weekend is to look up Matt Chapman defensive highlights and report back. Do they have those? Is that like a YouTube video? Can you even look that up? I mean, do I have to do it for you? <laughs> I'm sure MLB Matt highlights Chapman. Matt, MLB highlights. I'm sure has the Defensive you know type in his name and they'll give you highlights. all the highlights. There is a five minute video of 2017 Matt Chapman defensive highlights. You know what? I know what I'm doing tonight. Watch it. Do it. Do it. 
I'm just trying to find some solid 12 to 6 curveball videos on YouTube. Just some like old Barry Zito curveballs <laughs> just making dudes look foolish. Watching Clayton Kershaw making you nostalgic for the days of the 12-6 curveball? Yes, very much so. He has a nasty curve. You know, it's, that could be another topic for another week, but the slider has taken over completely. The curveball is a lost art now. Dude, I saw this Rockies pitcher. I'm trying to remember what his name was, but he threw a disgusting slider last week that I was just watching it at the other place of work, and I was like, oh, I had to go take a bathroom break for a while. I felt sick to my stomach by that slider. It's disgusting. Well, that was a corny dad joke. No, it, father of the year, Joe Fisher. It was that gross. It's like, give me a second. Also, if you want to feel gross, go watch the umpire getting the bug pulled out of his ear. No, don't do it. The moth. Don't. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, I'm out next week. I'm going to be in Vegas for six straight days. So pray for me and then be jealous of me at the same time. So might not see Mike again. Uh, Patrick will be in next week with Joe, and then we'll be back together the week after that. Uh, coming up next is the Ducks Insider Show right here on 1080 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.